So the message is over because Sarah just preached it like 100%. What's really funny is um, that's we call that the MC spot. And so they're hosting the service for us. And we don't communicate with our MCs like, this is, these are the points of my message. I was standing back there and I was like, oh, she's preaching my message. So Sarah, that was really good. Thank you so much for that. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tanya. Um, my husband, Adam, and I lead this church together. Um, we're both preaching today, but we're both preaching in two different locations. He's at another church down in Hyannis, Mass. And so I get to preach to you guys today, which is really fun. Um, I'm normally either my back is to you on the keys or I'm in the back of the auditorium just kind of like you know, mama bear, like watching all the things happen. And so it's really a privilege to be face to face with you guys today. And so I just, I appreciate the time that you take to be here, um, the time that you take to invest, not just um, in this church through things like your um, serving and your giving, but the time that you take to invest in your relationship with the Lord um, through different things like coming to church, worshiping, small groups, all of that. Um, but Adam and I leading this church together is really a team effort. We do it. Um, it's not like parents on Christmas morning where you know, like, dad is just as excited as the kids to see what the kids are getting from him and mom. And I remember as a child, like, looking at my dad and being like, this is awesome. He's like, yeah, what is it? What I get you? So this is that's not how Adam and I lead this church. We truly lead together. We're casting vision together. Uh, we're um, encouraging and equipping leaders together. And so I just I can gush on him not because it's Valentine's weekend, but because he's not here. And if you guys know me, I'm a little bit emotionally inept. And so to to express my love verbally to somebody, um, I'm not so great at. So he can listen back to the podcast later and be like. I love you, babe. So I just wanted uh, to let you guys know that we truly do love each other. We truly do uh, lead together. So we're just going to jump right into this message today. Like we said, we're talking about relationship matters, and we believe that this message uh, series is important because relationships matter. And so if you guys are fairly new here or you guys just haven't listened to anything we've said over the past five years, we actually do put our message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. There's instructions on the screen that'll explain to you how to do that. Um, just helps you follow along um, in the scriptures, and you can make personal notes there that you can look back on. Um, I would even recommend um, on the top right, it says save event. I would save the event if I were you because you can look back later and you're like, what was that amazing thing that that girl said? Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, but you guys can look back later and uh, read back through your notes. So week one of Relationship Matters, Adam and I spoke together and we spoke about the purpose of relationships. If you've ever been around a church, you know that there's always alliteration. So week one was purpose. Week two is protection. That was Adam last week. He was speaking about how we protect our relationships, why it's important to protect our relationships. And like Sarah already preached today, I'm talking about the placement of relationships. And it is so important to know how to place relationships. It's important to have relationships. It's important to understand the purpose and also to protect them. But all these relationships belong in different spaces spaces in your life. And so that's today. I'm hoping that you just leave understanding that you need to evaluate your relationships, evaluate where you are with these people and place them according to some of the tips that I give you guys. And so we want to be good stewards. We talk about stewardship here a lot. Um, and stewardship is just the way that you take care of something. And so you, we want to take care of our relationships because they are one of the most important things, either the relationship that's in your life now or the relationship that's about to come into your life. Like Sarah said, there are different seasons in life. And so you have relationships that are either in your life for a different reason or a different season. And so whatever the, the purpose is of those people being in your life, we want to be good stewards 
stewards of those relationships. Because when you steward something well, God continues to bless you with that. And that is, I'm not, this is not a message on tithing and giving at all, but that's one of the things that we talk about. When, when you're a good steward with what God gives you, he will give you more. When you're open-handed with things like your finances, your time, your relationships, you can receive more because you're willing to give more. But if I'm holding on to what I have with a closed fist, nothing can come and nothing can go. And so if we don't steward these relationships well, the people that matter most to us get the least of us because we're so busy putting out fires with poor replacement relationships. We're busy like trying to like quell drama. We're trying to just get through some of the, the pain and the hurt that these poor placements have caused us. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to put people in their place. Everybody say, put people in their place. It feels really good. Say it again like you're like, I'm going to put people in their place, right? Like, like with a little bit of sass. And so I have this like, I don't, this isn't a spiritual gift necessarily or at all, but I have this gift of like, if you guys speak movie references at all, um, you've got mail. They talk about the gift of the zinger. I have the gift of the zinger. So when you're in like an argument or a disagreement with somebody, you just like, it just comes out. You say that thing that like just really gets under their skin. And that's not, that's not a good thing. I'm just kidding. It's not a spiritual gift. But the, the gift of the zinger. But before I became um, more aware of the damage that my words caused, it felt good. And that's not the way that I'm talking about putting people in their place today. We're not talking about zingers and belittling people. We're, we're talking about putting them in placement in, in how close they are to you in your life. And so I was trying to think about just some examples. Every good message, you kind of have like a personal story about, um, you know, here's how this message relates to me. And so I was like, okay, what's like some relational um, bad stuff, drama, relational um, demise, compromise relationships. What's, it, what's an example that I could give? And it's not for lack of examples that I'm not sharing any specifics. It's because as I looked back over the years and over these relationships that I had that went south, it's not, I was a common factor. It's not every person that was in my life. The common factor was me. And the problem that I had was I had poor placement decisions. I let people in too much, or I didn't uh, pace myself in getting to know these people. And um, there, there are some, uh, a few things that we're going to talk about, uh, what our inner circle friends should be doing and giving and the expectations on them. And I just I sailed right over those, whether I was too desperate because I just needed somebody close. Um, this is like friendship relationships. This is... Um, co-working relationships. This is leadership relationships that we've had. We just sailed right over red flags. We went through desperation, and we let people in the wrong place in our lives. And so it caused emotional and relational turmoil. And so I've got plenty of examples, but I'm not giving you guys any names because the only name that I'll give you is my own because this was my bad. And so that's what I want to talk to you guys about today because I want to help save you guys from some of that emotional um, heartache that happened because of poor placement decisions. Experience is the most effective teacher, but it's also the most costly teacher because it costs you your time. Your time is the one thing you can never get back. I can earn more money. I can make more friends. I'm sorry, but I cannot get my time back. So that's one thing that you need to be really a good steward of your own personal time. And so I'm trying to save you guys time. I'm trying to save you guys heartache so that you don't learn through wasted time. 
And so the big idea for today's message is that even though we value people equally, people do not add value equally. And so that's what we're going to learn to do is how we're going to evaluate these people and how we're going to learn to place them. And so it's okay. You don't have to add value equally to my life. I don't have to tell you like, hey, little buddy, you're a terrible person. This is just me saying, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to assess and move you accordingly. I'm going to let you in accordingly to the value that I see you bring to my life. And so I've heard it said another way that we love people biblically, meaning everybody is created in God's image, and we love them all the same. We're going to value people, people equally. So regardless of your age, race, gender, uh, socioeconomic status, whatever, we're going to value you equally, but we are going to treat you differently. Not everybody gets the same amount of access to your life. Not everybody gets to speak into your life. Not everybody gets to call out some blind spots in your life. Those are the people that you need to have in your inner friend circle. And so the word friends, that's kind of, you know, we've talked before about um, the word love. And so in um, Hebrew and Greek and Latin and, you know, in the, in the Bible, the word love has several different um, words that are used to mean love. So there's different types of love, right? Like Adam talked about, he loves tacos and he loves me, but he doesn't love them the same way. And so the word love doesn't really work in both ways. Well, it's the same with the word friends. We say the word friend, but that could mean your coworker that you like share the DoorDash bill with because you don't want to pay, you know, whatever, five bucks for the delivery. So you're like, hey, I'm going to DoorDash. Do you want to DoorDash with me? And then we'll split that $2.50 each. Um, there's that, that friend, that, that same coworker friend. You say hi to them every morning, but you don't know their middle name. You probably wouldn't ask them to dog sit for you. Um, but there's also the friend that just walks into your house without knocking. They know your lock code on your phone. Um, they don't even share the DoorDash. They share the meal, like, without you inviting them. They just start eating off your plate. There's those kind of friends. Those are the friends that um, you don't even, it's not even a question of if they'll watch your dog for you. If you need an internal organ, they would give it to you. That's the type of friends that we're talking about. Those are actually the Proverbs 18:24 friends. And so Proverbs 18, 24 says, a person of too many friends comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And you're like, okay, yeah, we're talking about two different types of friends, but it says friend, friend, right? That's in English because English, okay, so the, the book of Proverbs was written in Hebrew. And so when we look at the Hebrew, the first time it says friends, it's one word. And this word means more like um, a close acquaintance. This is somebody that's just an associate or a companion, that's what the Bible said, like, through the commentary. I was like, that's like a human ball of goo. So just like, just a human, like, flesh ball, right? So you say friend, but it's just this ball of flesh. And so that same word in Hebrew is actually used 102 times in the Bible to, to mean neighbor. And so it's somebody you just superficially know, right? There's a story in the Bible uh, about a man named Job, and he literally lost everything. I think, I mean, even people that don't do church, they know the story of Job because people, you know, when you have two things go wrong in your day, you're like, I'm a modern day Job. But Job literally lost everything, his health, his family, his wealth. And so he has three friends that come to him to like console him. So they do the right thing when they sit in silence for days. But once they start to give advice, it's horrible advice because they're like, you caused this to happen to yourself. So we're not talking about Job today, but the reason why I bring that up is because the same word that the Bible uses for friends, Job's three friends came to him. That's that same word that we see at the beginning of Proverbs 18, 24. A person of too many friends, Job's type of friends. 
The second word that's used for that uh, word of friends is the same word that's used to have affection for, to be loved. Not be loved, but be loved, you know? That's your friend, that's your, your internal organ friend. It's two totally different people. And so when I say friends today, I don't want you to think of like the human ball of goo. I want you to think of the beloved friend. And so what we're going to do today is learn where to place these people. So if you think of your relationships as concentric circles, um, and then when I thought of that this morning, I was like, let me make sure concentric circles means what I think it does. It does. It's like, you know, bullseye. So the circles get smaller as you get to the middle. And so you are in the center of your relational circles, right? Because they're your relationships. The first circle, the innermost circle, it surrounds you, but it's also the smallest circle. You can't fit everybody you know into that innermost circle. I love you guys, but you cannot all squeeze into my innermost circle because I need six feet of space. That's what I'm told. So I have to be selective with what I do with my inner circle. And we actually see this modeled with Jesus. Jesus had hundreds, thousands of followers. He had 12 disciples. But then even in the disciples, he had three that were the innermost circle, Peter, James, and John. You see them mentioned several times when it comes to um, stories of the disciples. Jesus took those three with him on the mountain for his transfiguration. Those three were with him in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was betrayed. Those people were with him at his highest peak of his life, and he was, they were with him at his lowest times. Because your inner circle can handle you in every season of your life. Jesus also never gave a reason why those people were in his inner circle. He didn't have to justify that. He never told the other disciples, well, you guys aren't really so great, and I'm just going to take these three with me up on the mountain. No is a complete sentence, period. He never had to justify why those people were in his inner circle. But it's modeled for us, so we know that it's good to do. So our inner circles, what do our inner circles get? Our inner circles get a couple different things from us. Number one, our inner circles get access access. Our inner circles get to do the fun stuff with us, but they also go through the tough stuff with us. Those are the people that you are most vulnerable with. You give them permission to identify and call things out in you. They also speak life into you. Their words have so much more meaning than the DoorDash friend, right? If he's like the, the person at work is like, hey, I think your hair is kind of dumb. You're like, oh, well, your face is dumb. And then you just like move on. I told you guys I had like the gift of the zingers. You can take that one home. Um, so that's, that's not the inner person, uh, the inner circle friend. When an inner circle friend hurts you, it hurts deeply. We've talked uh, two weeks ago when we were talking about the purpose of relationships, we talked about the change. And so you either have 100 pennies or you have four quarters. Your inner circle is your four quarters. Some people just have a Sacagawea. You're just you're like your ride or die. It's your one person that has so much value. You share your vulnerable things. You share your hurts. You even share your fears. And so sometimes I've had moments sharing with my inner circle people, and as I'm saying it, I'm like, this is really dumb. This is going to backfire. You shouldn't tell them this. Or you start to, like, tell yourself, like, why do you even feel like that? That's so stupid. You know that's not true. And you're like, I hope, does anybody else do that? It might just be me. But, like, you're talking yourself out of being vulnerable. Your inner circle people, it's safe. It's a safe space. Your inner circle people, number two, they also get a different expectation. You get a different access as an inner circle person in my life, but I also have a different expectation. And the expectation here is reciprocation, 
I can't do this as a one-way relationship. If I'm always sharing my stuff with my inner circle people and they're not sharing their stuff with me, then it's a counseling session. They might as well take out a notepad and then charge me at the end because if it's not a back and forth, there's no uh, reciprocation here, that's not a real relationship. They can bill you at the end of your like emotional verbal diarrhea because they're not gonna be reciprocating and, and doing the back and forth and it's with somebody else's struggles that you grow, that you learn from each other. It's a two-way street to give different expectations. You also get to follow up on the radio silence. You get to call that friend and be like, where have you been? I haven't talked to you in 20 minutes. <laughs> Guys probably aren't like that, but that inner circle person you get to you get to follow up with them you get to check in on them they get to check in on you your inner circle people also get a different investment i'm going to invest my time i'm going to share my talents i'm going to help um, do whatever i can for that person it's not that i don't want to do it for everybody else i just i just physically can't you physically can't you don't have enough hours in the day you don't have enough capacity to give the same investment to everybody. So you treat your inner circle, we're gonna do for our inner circle what we wish we could do for everybody. It's just not possible to do that. If you help shoulder the burdens of everybody around you, the weight would physically crush you. And so when we have that inner circle, we get to give a different investment and they're investing in us as well. There's a couple different things that our inner circle people do. Number one, they bear our burdens. We have all been mortally wounded at some point in our life. And if you are sitting there and you're like, I haven't, that's fine, keep living. It's going to come. <laughs> Adam's always like, be more positive. I'm positive you're going to be mortally wounded at some point. Whether it's by a situation or a person or an emotional um, thing that comes into your life, you're going to feel this crushing weight. And I do this all the time. We are big advocates here at this church of counseling, of therapy. Um, you know, we talk about like, hey, let's go to the doctor and make sure that we're physically healthy. Well, why are we not going to somebody to make sure that we're emotionally healthy? And so Adam and I are huge proponents of counseling. And so we have a counselor. It's not like, oh, gosh, I hope you guys are okay. This is like how we're checking in and making sure that, that we're okay, that we're staying healthy. Our counselor, there's times that I talk to him on Zoom, so he's anonymous, kind of, you know, like I'm not going to run into him at the uh, Walmart here. Um, and he doesn't, I can name all of you guys by name, and he has no idea. I love it. So, but we'll talk with our counselor, and I do this all the time, like when I'm talking about something. And one day he was like, why do you do this? And I'm like, because I feel it here. Like this, like when I'm stressed, when I'm sad, when um, I'm worried, when I'm anxious, I feel feel it here. And I don't know if that's like a tiny thing or if that's everybody else, but I can feel physical weight. It's hard to take a deep breath. When I have gone through something in life that's so traumatizing or so consuming in my mind, and I just, I know what I need to do spiritually. I know I need to give it to God, but until I've worked through that, because that's not an instant thing, right? I feel it here in my chest. That's what our inner circle people help do. They help bear those burdens. They're not the ones that take the place of Christ. They're the ones that bring you to Christ. They're the ones that remind you, hey, like, have you given this to God? Have you even prayed about this? Surprise, guys, your pastors don't always remember, like, let's stop and pray about this. Sometimes it takes somebody else in our life to be like, so, like, how's your dialogue with God going about this? Um, your inner circle people are your safe space. We all need to have a safe space that we can share this stuff with. Have you guys ever 
seen somebody in public who clearly is like misrepresenting what the issue is. So I don't know if you guys like ever wake up and just like scroll through Instagram um, stories or like if you're a TikToker, I'm not a TikToker, um, but if you're scrolling through and you see these people, they call them Karens. And so you see this person like up at the cash register at uh, Burger King and they're like losing their mind because they gave them onion rings instead of french fries. And they're just like, and you're like, whoa, that is so misdirected. I'm sure there's something terrible going on in your life. It's not about onion rings and french fries, right? That's somebody who doesn't have that inner circle that they can share. They don't have that safe space. They might have it. Maybe they're not utilizing it. I don't know. I didn't talk to Karen. But you just see somebody that is, is just an emotional disaster. They're an emotional time bomb. And so what happens with those people that don't have that safe space is that they're going to bleed on whoever is around them, even if you're not the one who cut them. And so they just have so much wounds that are still flayed open that they're just bleeding on everybody who's around them. It's not even about fact or feelings because a lie believed as a truth can be just as devastating as the truth itself. And so if there's something that you're believing to be true, if you've not worked through that, and it could be a total lie. It's like, hey, you are the worst person in the world. Not true. I know I'm not. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, But if I believe that to be true, that would be devastating. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. If you believe a lie as a truth, it's just as devastating as the truth itself. And so you've got to work through those things, whether it's fact or feelings. You need that safe space, and that's where we go to. Yes, we go to God, but God in the flesh is our inner circle people. We talked about that on week one, where God is our source of strength, but people are the system to bring that strength. We also process out loud. It talks, uh, my counselor talks about metabolizing emotions. And when I first heard that, I was like, that's so weird. I don't, I don't metabolize like Chick-fil-A. I don't know what you mean, like metabolizing emotions. And so when we metabolize emotions, what we do is we actually allow ourselves to feel them. And so I'm only speaking to emotionally inept people. If you're like, you start to feel anger, you're like, okay. Here's why I'm going to be rational, and I shouldn't be angry about this, and I'm going to talk myself out of feeling what I'm feeling. That's not metabolizing the emotion. The reason why we process through things, if you feel it, allow yourself to feel it. Because as you metabolize something, you use it up, right? If you eat Chick-fil-A, as you metabolize it, you use it up, and eventually it's not in your system anymore. And so you do the same thing when you're processing out loud your emotions, your hurts, your fears, your anger, justified or unjustified. You just need a safe space that you can do that. A lot of people don't have that, and so we see the the results of that. We also, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but there's also um, some throwback um, injury that happens when you share with the wrong person. Have you ever done that? You've shared something innermost, devastating, fear, hurt, anger, whatever, and you shared it with the wrong person. There's only one thing worse than going through a difficult season or storm in your life, and it's doing it in public. When they share something that was shared in confidence with somebody else, oh, I'm just going to tell this one person, I got a prayer request for you. I need you to pray for this person because this is exactly what they did, and this is what they said, and this is what I said, they should have said. When you have those type of people That's when you're wounded twice, right? And so we need to evaluate those relationships. When that happens, I don't need you to call them out. I don't need you to zing them. You see it, you remember it for next time, and you move them a little bit further out in the circle.
The second thing that our inner circle does is support our success. This was the part when Sarah was talking about, because I thought that was really good, and then she said it, and I was like, I guess that's not like so novel. But um, our inner circle people, they bear our burdens, but they also support our success. We actually see this take place in the scripture. I do read the Bible when I speak, uh, just by the way, if you guys are wondering. John 21, you guys can turn to John 21 or scroll or tap over to John 21. Um, So what happens is Jesus is dead. His disciples decide to go fishing. Peter's the one with a great idea. He's one of the inner circle guys. He's like, hey, I'm going to go fishing. This is what he used to do, right? And so he was a professional fisherman before Jesus called him, and he's out They've been fishing all night. They haven't caught anything. And if you guys are like, wait, I thought that happened in the Bible, but it happened before Jesus died. It did. This is kind of like Jesus doing his tricky thing where he's kind of like, yeah, I remember when I did this before. So the disciples are out fishing all night. I don't know if they're rusty because, you know, they haven't done it in a couple years or just the fish won that round, but they hadn't caught anything. And so a man yells to them from shore and tells them to drop their net on the other side. They have nothing to lose because they haven't caught any fish. And so they did it. John 21, verse 6. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll get some. And so they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. There was emotional weight present there, right? Jesus had just been murdered. Judas, one of their tribe and the disciples, had betrayed him, and then he went and hung himself. So there's two losses there. Whatever we think about Judas, I think we always kind of skip over that. There's somebody that you've been doing life with for three years that just committed suicide. Peter then fails to protect Jesus in the garden with this failed, like, botched job of a sword swinging, knocking an ear off on guy. And then he also denies Jesus. He was an inner circle person. And he knew he was inner circle, right? Because he was with him in Gethsemane. He was with him at the Transfiguration. He had been asked to come places that the other disciples weren't invited. And so he has emotional weight. He has emotional baggage. And then he gets these pointers about fishing from this guy on the shore. And he's successful. They're actually so successful that they can't even manage the weight. 21 verse 8 says, So the others stayed in the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. Because what happened was Peter was like, oh, my gosh, it's Jesus. We did this before. And he jumped into the water, and he swam to shore. And if you guys, like, have great context for the scripture, is to actually understand that the disciples are teenagers. And so I picture my son, who's just, like, doofy kid, sorry, um, that's like, oh, my gosh, it's, it's my master. And he, like, jumps into the water swims to the shore, and it's probably like this sloppy, wet tackle hug, right? Because they thought he was dead. They saw him murder before their eyes. And so what's happening back at the boat, though, is that the friends are managing the success. The friends are pulling the net in that's about to break the boat because success without the proper support will sink you. If you don't have those inner circle people, if you don't have somebody to help manage the weight of your success, because believe me, there is weight to your success. You have more given to you, you have more expectation. And so when you have people to help you manage the weight of the success, something amazing actually happens. We see that in 21 verses 12 through 13. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew that it was the Lord, probably also because Peter was like, oh my gosh, it's Jesus, and he jumped in. But then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. 
the fish that they had just dragged in from the nets, the, the success that they were supporting their friend with that catch. What happened was that the people who support you actually get the overflow of your blessing. When you are that person, that's that supporter, it's not just cheering for somebody else. When they're successful, you're successful. You also reap the benefits of that. You also become blessed when your other um, person in your circle becomes blessed. Don't feel like you're obligating somebody to do something that they don't want to. When you have that inner circle relationship, you don't even need to communicate, right? Like you guys can just dialogue without any verbal communication. And so you need to be able to share the things that you actually need, the things that, that you're struggling to even manage the success that's coming. And so allow your inner circle friends. You're not protecting them. You're robbing them of the blessing, of the overflow of your success. If you don't go there with your friends, you can't grow there. So that even means when your friend has hurt you, your inner circle friend has hurt you, you need to be able to have that conversation with them. You need to say, hey, this is, this is what you did intentionally or unintentionally, and it kind of hurt me. That's how you know that they're an inner circle friend. When they can stay in that inner circle, they're mature enough to have that conversation because they desire growth in that relationship. You have to be able to go there so you can grow there. And I've, d- I've done these conversations with people, and it just blows up. They're so offended. I can't believe you would say that. Go into defense mode. Number one, it's your posture and the way that you enter into that conversation. But number two, it's a good way to evaluate if that person deserves to be in that inner circle. So at the beginning of chapter 21, when we're talking about this incident on the boat and the fish and the catching in the fish and the bring them in, what, we, uh, what I skipped right over is that the Bible actually says that there were seven disciples that goes fishing with Peter. And so we know we're down to 11 because uh, Judas is already um, dead. There's four other disciples that aren't mentioned here. The Bible never says where they were. So I see that these disciples have witnessed another miracle. They saw Jesus was resurrected. They get the overflow of the blessing of that successful fishing trip. But what happened to the other four disciples is that they left too soon. Some people leave you too soon. When your nets are empty and they walk away, they missed out on the miracle. They missed out on the overflow of the blessing. That is not your fault. And I don't know who needs to hear that today. It might be me. But it's not your fault. Some people leave you too soon and they miss it all because they weren't willing to grow with you. They weren't willing to go through the empty net season with you. And they sure as heck, (laughs) church, uh, they sure as heck aren't ready to go through the full net season with you, right? If you don't want me at my empty net season, you can't have me at my full net season. And this is not like some sassy little thing. This This is the way that I protect myself. You can't have me when my nets are full if you didn't want me when my net was empty. All this does is show you where to place people, right, on your inner circle, there's a rearrangement that we need to do. We need to, to pull people in during our empty net season to see who's still around you, who's still helping you fish when you fished all night. And they're not the friend that's like, you used to be good at fishing three years ago, and now you're terrible. Let's go back into shore. Those are the friends that are like, cast it again. Cast it again. Let's keep trying. Let's keep going. 
they're going to be blessed with that overflow. You need to stop giving to one-sided friendships. Love is freely given, but access is earned. And so if you've been freely giving of your time, you've been freely giving of your investments, you've been freely giving of your abilities, you need to stop. Continue to love people, right? We're going to love them biblically. We're going to value them equally, but we're going to treat them differently. Let's stop giving to those relationships. If they fail to meet your expectations, the investment must stop. This is how we're going to protect all the other people that are in our inner circle because we're not continuing to be cut by the same person over and over again and bleeding on the other people that are around us. There's no bad people here. There's just bad placements. That's what I told you guys at the beginning. I couldn't even come up with an example of relational um, casualties because it was my fault. It was a bad placement decision on my end. This isn't judgment. This is discernment. And I want you guys to get that. I don't want anybody to walk out of here and say, that is the most judgmental church I have ever been in. We're discerning because we're wise. We're wise because we see that showed through scripture, through Jesus himself, modeled that with the inner circle. And I believe that everybody here has a relationship with God. You may not have him in the same place, but he's somewhere in one of those circles. He may not be in that inner circle right now. Maybe he never has been in that inner circle, or maybe he was in that inner circle long ago, and you had a hurt that you misbelieved the lie is truth, and so you kind of moved him out a little bit. You're only hurting yourself when you do that because God will never move. He will never take himself out of that center. It's us who move him. And so I believe that everybody has a relationship with God because you're here. Whether he's like hanging on to the very outermost circle or he's just waiting to be invited in, I believe the fact that you're here in church, whether it's for yourself or somebody else, you have some sort of relationship with God. And this is your opportunity to move him. Maybe you're not ready to move him to the center. That's okay. Our goal here is to help people move one step closer to Jesus. And so if you are ready to move him one step closer, we want to help you do that. There's different ways you can do that. Small groups are an amazing way to do it. Just move one step closer. Maybe you're just going to join a small group and you're like, God's somewhere. He's in a circle. I don't know where, but I'm kind of good with where he's at. That's fine. It's totally fine. Just start the relationship conversation with him. I'm going to have you guys pray right now. And what we're going to do is we're just going to, we're just going to invite God into this space, the Holy Spirit into this space, Lord, that we just want to be able to just quiet our hearts, quiet our minds, Lord, um, as these conversations maybe have brought up some pain and you may have somebody that's specific um, coming to mind that you're like, yeah, they hurt me. They hurt me really bad, whether it was my placement decision or their placement decision. I know that there are some wounds here. And so if there's anybody here that has a wounded relationship, I just want you to raise your hand just because I want to be able to pray for you. I want to know who I'm praying for. If you've been wounded by somebody who maybe was in that inner circle because you moved them too fast, too soon, you gave too much access, I just want you to slip your hand up really fast. Thank you. Maybe, maybe you recognize that you have God in one of those circles. You just don't 
have him in the center. Whether he was never there or he was there a long time ago and you pushed him out. If you're ready to recommit or commit the first time to your relationship with God, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's really simple. There's nothing that we say that's magical, that's, that's, it's got to be said just the right way. It's all actually a matter of your heart. And so from the outflowing of our heart is our words. And so that's why we, we pray. And so if that's you, if you're ready to move God into the center of your circle, of your relationship, of, to your inner circle, I want you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. If that's you, thank you. Yeah, I see that. Thanks. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. I just want you to pray in your heart. God, I just want you into the center of my life. I want to put you at the center of my relationships. I want to put you at the center of every decision that I make, Lord. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to take one step closer to you today. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the sacrifice that he made of giving his life for me to pay for my sins. God, and I'm the best way that I know how I commit my life to you. Thank you for the way that you love me. Thank you for the way that you protect me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you made any of those decisions, whether it was to move God into the center or you've been hurt by somebody in that inner circle and you want some prayer, you want somebody to help shoulder that burden, we have people, we have our prayer team. And that's why I said earlier that you make the decision in your heart, but from the outflowing of your heart are your words. And so if you want somebody to help pray with you, to help shoulder that burden, I keep doing this. My counselor is right, gosh. If you want somebody to help carry that weight of burdens, that's what our prayer team is here for. We have Brooke and we have Dave down front. And so this last song that we're going to close with is just your opportunity to come forward at any point during the song. It doesn't matter. You don't have to wait for the end. If you're not comfortable coming down now, you can always grab one of these people or you can grab me at the end of service so we can pray with you. Thank you guys so much for being here.